This is episode 38 of the Design Details Podcast. I'm Brian Levin. And I'm Ren Jackson. This week we hung out with Jeff Tehan. He's over at Facebook now. He was one half of Tehan and Lax, which is incredible. Uh, he's done a lot of stuff for the community, including those fantastic iOS UI assets, which I've used constantly since they started coming out. So really excited to have him on the show. Looked up to him for a long time. So it was really great to have him on. Also, there's not much time left to vote for us. Uh, we there's have like been, no time left. We've been nominated for podcast. You have to do it right this second year or we're going to be out of time. For the Net Awards. If you're enjoying the show, we would love, love, love your support. If, you go to if you're not, we'd still love it. That'd be super great. <laughs> Either way, uh, go to designdetails.fm. That's our website. And you can click the banner along the top. It'll take you straight to our voting page. Uh, you can vote for us and share it with your followers on social media. And we would really appreciate that. So thank you to everyone who's done it already. And of course, before we get into the show, a huge, huge thank you to our amazing sponsors. Our first one this week is Icon Finder. They are our longtime sponsor, so I'm sure you've heard the pitch. But if you don't know, Icon Finder is the best tool for... Do they find icons? Find icons. You sure? It's simple. Is that yeah, what they do? That's what they do. Cool. You go on iconfinder.com. You search for any icon you might need for any project you're working on. They're going to return, in many cases, dozens, if not hundreds of results. Thousands. Um, an icon in all styles you could imagine. They have like 600,000 icons. And they're adding thousands more every single month. Uh, they're working with a ton of amazing icon designers and paying them 70% back uh, of the revenue that they make. So when you support Icon Finder, you are also supporting the designers in the community. Go to iconfinder.com and you can sign up for Icon Finder Pro. It's a really great monthly subscription service. It's just a few bucks a month. Gets you access to lots of downloads for icons every single month. And if you use the promo code ROBOT, that tells them that we sent you and they will then give you 50% off your first month. And then they'll keep sponsoring us and they'll keep being our coping homies. So do it. Go to iconfinder.com and use the promo code ROBOT. Thank you, Icon Finder. Second sponsor is once again Adobe. They just released their 2015 version of Creative Cloud like two weeks ago. They've got artboards, they've got a glyph palette, they've got this new design space, they've got asset export updates, they've got Illustrator improvements where you can zoom up to like 64,000%, which is incredible. If you're a UI designer, Photoshop has stepped their game up. They're going to make your life a whole lot easier. They have awesome new features like artboards and asset exporting device preview huge improvements to layer comps yes. so you can do visibility position appearance of one layer in a layer comp and then sync that to change to all the others so you can maintain the links to external files by automatically packaging them in a single directory so they're just taking like the whole file storage thing out of the, out of the equation that's yep. fantastic i love that they are just listening to exactly what designers have been asking for for years now and they're just building exactly those things yes that's all they're focused on just building the things we need if you love Photoshop or you need to step your design game up, go to adobe.com and check out Creative Cloud 2015. And we will also be linking to the newest features in Photoshop straight from the show notes if you're interested in that. Thank you so much to Adobe for sponsoring the show. You should be interested in that. There's no reason not to check out the new features in Photoshop. So thanks to Adobe. Uh, and with that, we'll get into episode 38 with Jeff Tehan. Yeah, so the first thing we always ask is, what are you working on? Ooh tempting right tempting to answer that you gotta tell us i'm sorry you just have to do it um i'm working on facebook at facebook Uh, facebook at facebook yeah Uh, i manage a few different teams uh with uh with julie zoo um yeah i worked uh 
at Tina Lax, when I was working with various clients, I was really focused in on a lot of um, a lot of projects that were um, feed based. Um, a lot of things that had to do with publishing. So like uh, medium, for example, so I'm working on similar things inside of Facebook, the stuff that you would probably expect. Sweet. Yeah. How's the transition been? Uh, it was a little bit challenging at first just because there's so many people. Uh, it's very different the way that they do things, um, from what a services company like us would do and like how we would help clients, even though they were a client, just being there on the ground, um, not, you know, in our own space of 45 people, but on a campus uh, was, was like a, a big change. Yeah. Um, I think, too, I think the biggest, the biggest change was just having to learn so much. <clears throat> Excuse me. I think uh, I didn't realize how big uh, and complex Facebook was. There's so much to it. Uh, and I think it was about halfway through going through um their their sort of design onboarding program i realized why there were so many people that worked there and and it wasn't just about infrastructure it was it's just there's a lot to that thing and uh so i think just getting on board with that was 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 a was the biggest challenge uh it probably took me i mean i'm still learning lots about that that place but I think after two or three months, I probably started to feel a little bit more comfortable with how things worked and how things were structured, how to get things done, um, and uh, and just even getting to know the people, like even in your surroundings, your te- not just your team, but obviously like the engineers and the PMs that you know you work with pretty much every day. It took a while because there's mm-hmm. a lot of people. So right, one of the topics going around right now is sort of this broader industry transition from people working at agencies like mm. Dhenlax to yep. product companies like Facebook. Um, how do you see that transition? Um, <clears throat> well, I think it's different for a lot of different agencies. Agencies, I think because we started a while ago, we didn't have as much... The, our competition was really different back then. And so growing your business was a different game, right? We were We were going up against large agencies that were trying to do digital or large digital agencies. Um, and there weren't a lot of smaller shops. So we had a, we had a very different set of challenges. Plus the clients were completely different back then. This was 2002. So, you know, we were, we were doing advertising, you know, banner advertisement was a big thing back then. Um, and we didn't really start to do, you know, applications on the web until, well, uh, some like mutual fund companies when we were, when we started to actually build out proper useful stuff on the web. I think that's when things started to change a little bit, maybe a couple of years after that, uh, where we started to see more, first of all, like the, the agencies had figured out, um, how to do it. Their, their clients were now buying it. Um, it was, it had become a legitimate thing. So our, our competition had changed. They had upped their game. Plus a lot of other smaller shops started to come on board. Um, we had, some benefit of tenure in the industry uh and we had produced a decent body of work that um that had some level of clout behind it that got us that was made it slightly easier but it never really got easy um we were always you know we we rarely knew what we were working on even in the later years um you know six to eight weeks out which is scary that's very you know scary. you're if you've done something you've run a business that's pretty successful for 12 years and you're like i honestly don't know what we're going to work on in two months 
three months. No idea. We don't have a lot of recurring revenue, right? Our job at a services industry was really to work ourselves out of a job, right? You have a problem. We're going to help you solve it. We're going to solve it for you. You're going to take it and you're either going to have to like continue to work it or implement it um, or you're going to move on to something else. And you don't necessarily have more work for me. Um, so you constantly have to get out there. And I think getting some of the larger companies down here started to, to, to make that a little bit easier. You know, so when we started to work with, with companies like Google or Facebook, um, because they were big, they did have a lot of recurring projects. They had a lot of need. They couldn't secure staff, you know, quick enough. That made it a little bit easier, but still, like tons of ebbs and flows, lots of unknowns, um, and increasingly, way like really good um, companies coming on board right like lots of amazing you know five ten twelve person shops that you know that i mean those were our team sizes mm-hmm. we just basically had like three and a half teams at tn and lax so they were basically like three and a half smaller of these companies um so you know even at even if you're working with a larger company like uh, like the ones that are really at scale it wasn't about the team size or how big our company was or how good a work we did. It was just way more people doing it. So it got tough. Mm-hmm. And so I understand the need or I, I, I kind of get why I see companies shut down. But I also get why I see people started up because you do get some amazing work. You get to, you can, it, it still is a really viable, it still is a really viable thing to do. I'm just not sure how it scales anymore. The thing that always impressed me about, um, the work you guys were putting out was the the case studies after the fact. So like the one with Medium, of course, stands out as just being like this amazing deep dive into your process. Right. Why did you guys start doing those in the first place? Um, <clears throat> so uh, lots of people to credit here. Um, I think, uh, first of all, I think we started to realize that we had done a lot of things to try and market ourselves, right? How do we get the fish to jump in the boat? Right, because going out there, hiring like new business people to try and go convince them, we had had some challenges with that. Um, some some mixed success. It's not an easy game, and uh, and it's a lot of like right time, right place. And do these when I when these people are calling and reaching out, uh, do they have a project at hand? And so we were we really struggled with what to do um, to understand how the how we're going to get work. For Tien and Lax. So we had some success with whenever we did something that was kind of more for our industry, it seemed to, and this is not quantifiable, but it always just felt a little bit better. It felt like, you know, we were getting more traction, we were getting more PR, and we felt like that couldn't be a bad thing. Well, everyone in the industry adored you guys, <laughs> right? Like you guys were making all, many of the best tools for us, right. which was incredible. Mm-hmm. Cool. Is what is? I always wondered if it was the kind of not knowing what's in six to eight weeks that yeah. led to that kind of creation and the hyperlapse stuff and all of that. Those crazy projects you guys did. It's like <laughs> mad science in there. Yeah. So I'll get back to that. Remind me of that yes. one. So the uh, so uh, on the why did we do the the ultra long guitar solo uh, ask <laughs> um, uh, case studies. So we started to, we had this theory that perhaps our clients were changing, right? Perhaps we didn't need to be trying to talk to CMOs in this very sort of, you know, um, fabricated way where it's like we have challenges, we have solutions, we have results, and no one really challenged the way that you present your work that way. 
Um, but we said, well, if we're, we know as designers what we want to read, right? If, if, and we, we, we had this hypothesis that perhaps our clients were more like us. Our clients were the designers. That there would be some leaders who value design because it was becoming a thing. That designers would see our work and respect the, the detail and the honest nature and maybe tell their managers if, if, they, if they needed to hire somebody. And, um, and, and so John said, all right, well, let's figure out how to tell a really good story. Because that's what this is about, right? It's still like we just can't, even though we want to give detail, we want to be open and honest. And we know that, you know, these stories are essentially we're writing them for ourselves. Um, we still have to figure out how to be really good storytellers. So he, um, he did a lot of research. He did a lot of reading. And he came up with a framework um, that was originally like 21 steps of telling a story. And he broke it down. We kind of um, whittled it down into five. Um, you're going to ask me what they are, and I'm not going to remember what they are. Um, so you're going to have to have him on the show. See what I did there? Uh-huh. <laughs> so you've got the hook up there. <laughs> <laughs> I may know somebody. Uh, he actually, uh, he actually great, gave a great presentation on storytelling at, um, at a dog at, conference at, at, <laughs> at Facebook, at Facebook. Um, so anyways, that's how it, that's how that came to be. And it really just, it helped us frame up how to write these really long stories. And we were really, we were really open and honest about them. Like we didn't reveal, like we didn't, we, we rarely revealed anything that was would have been considered like secret. We could have told much better stories. We could have, we had like lots of other things we could have we could have revealed that probably would have been that much better. But obviously, um, we can only show and share so much. But the clients all got to approve those, so it was all pretty legit. And some were more open than others, right? So the stories that I feel um, got better traction, and I can prove it <laughs> through analytics, were the ones where we were able to really be open and honest. That's cool. Which which ones were your favorite? I'm not telling you that. Not which one is your favorite? <laughs> my favorite. Analytics aside. Ooh, my favorite. Uh, the medium one's pretty good. It's but it's it, that one's like near and dear to my heart because it was a lot of my life for a while. Mm-hmm. Uh, I also really liked. Uh, I also really liked the prismatic one. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're kind of related. Both projects I worked on. I mean, I think I I like the ones that I worked on because I was able to really like put everything that I was into those things. Well, I'm curious about how you decided to go that route because for Medium, you actually came here and worked here for months, right? Yeah, for uh, I did, uh, in 2012, I did 103 nights in a hotel. Wow. <laughs> um, it was it was actually, it was broken out over two years. In 2011, we did some prototyping work for them um, for, we did that remotely. I think we did like 60 days or something. Um, maybe, maybe, maybe two months, uh, two months, three months. Yeah. Anyways, two or three months. And, uh, and then, uh, in, they basically took down that prototype stuff. We never really heard from them again. We were like, boy, I don't even know if they really, did they like it? Maybe that's why we're not hearing from it. Maybe they didn't really jive with this stuff. And anyways, we got a call back, I think probably like April or May of, uh, 2012, and we wanted to figure out a way that we could do the best possible work. And um, and that was, I think, another thing of like client service model um, where it's like you can't product design is it's tough. It like it, re- it requires a lot of in-person collaboration, especially mm-hmm. if you're building something um, that, that is being built by other people or with other people. Um, and so we decided to take the team and. 
Um, we, I did about half my time here. The, the, the other staff did about a third of their time. Um, and it was, it was awesome, but it was tough too, you know? Was, was that a process you ended up sticking with for mm, other clients? No, or? it was first and last time. Really? Yeah. First, it's way too hard on a team across the country too. Mm. You know, if it was like New York, maybe it'd be a little bit different where it's a 45 minute flight, but five hour flight, three time zones, it was taxing. Do you think it made a significant impact on the final product though? Sure. Yeah, totally. Couldn't have done it without but the trade off there, there is just too, yeah. too great. Yeah. Yeah, too great. Would and I think we would have done even better had we been here full time. Okay. Yeah, I, I I could see in, and it's not and I'm not I like I'm, it's not it's not a fault. It's a fault. It's a fault of the process, right? Mm-hmm. It's not a fault of the people. Oh, design. Why does that just suck so much? <laughs> it, um, Straight face, Brinnies. <laughs> not even kidding. Uh, yeah, it it um, I, we could definitely see a difference in our work. Everybody could see a difference in our work, even our designers, where we would we would have less, we would just produce less good work when we were working from Toronto than we would when we were in San Francisco. Because mm-hmm. we had PMs at our side, we had engineers, we had other designers at, at Medium who we worked alongside with, right? It wasn't just us. Mm-hmm. Wasn't Dan Petty there at that point? Dan Petty was there, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, Dustin Sinos, um, Lee Taylor. We had some amazing designers there. Um, and they had a lot of, they had a lot of great, um, they had a lot of good front end guys that had like amazing design sense as well. Right. So it wasn't just us. So I think that, that really impacted it when we were together, we could obviously like jam and just collaborate better than we could when we were apart. We asked us in this, but I'd love to hear your perspective on like when it makes sense for product companies like medium to bring in an agency to do the kind of work you did. <clears throat> hmm. Um, Evid built out. Uh, some good, uh, like a, a good engineering team right off the bat when he started to work on Obvious 2.0 or whatever mm-hmm. it was called back mm-hmm. then. And uh, he had hired a designer and I think he had uh, one on contract too when we first started doing the for prototype. I, I don't really know because we didn't spend any time in his office and we were working in isolation. Um, so I think for him... It was like, I want to get, I I need to basically buy a team that I know has good working rapport, right? That they work together well. I don't need to worry about fit um, because I know that they're going to produce good work together because that's what they do for a living. Um, I'm going to be able to ramp up way faster. Um, And in the meantime, I can start to actually hire out my actual team, Mm -hmm. right? And dovetail those in. That was kind of the plan. I think like... The right time, I think, is really tough to say. I don't know if there's a moment in time or, or like, there's certainly not a duration. I think you just kind of know. I think even for us, I think even Ev would admit, and I would too, that I think that maybe our contract was, because we had done it up front, it was six months. So after that first prototyping thing, we did a six-month contract. We launched the product in three, and then we improved it over the next three months. Um, but I think we were probably a month or two too long, maybe six weeks would have been perfect to, to leave at six weeks. Still would have been really hard. I didn't want to leave. I, w- I wanted to continue to work on it. Mm-hmm. But it just didn't make sense for the product. It needed to be owned in-house at that point, you know. But I think we timed it. I think we guessed about as good as we could. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Okay. Do you want to talk about the hyperlapse? Is, is that something that's particularly exciting to you? Or? Uh, it, it, I know it was kind of mind-blowing when we first saw when it. When it first came out, and that was before <laughs> any of the other... Before... Hyperlapse. Yeah. Hyperlapse. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. 
Yeah. Um, that's really cool. Uh, is that how they got you to Facebook? No, <laughs> no, I had nothing to do with that. Actually. I do. I worked a little bit on the, uh, on the interface actually very, very, very little. Um, it was all done out of the labs group at Tina Lax where somebody was creating, um, some videos and was using like a really arcane method to use street view masking tape and a pencil on his screen to try and fit to track across a point and would just literally take screen caps, dump them in to his editing software and rip a video. <laughs> I mean, imagine how long that it's basically like doing actual time lapse, <laughs> yeah, right? It's yeah. like, it's no different moving the camera, resetting up, taking a shot and then compositing it later. And, um, I don't actually, re- I don't remember how, how some, if, if, uh, if that designer went to, the uh, Peter, the director of our labs back then, or if maybe Peter saw what he was doing and just being like, what the Christ are you doing? <laughs> There's a better way, man. Uh, so that's essentially something like that happened. And um, inside of a inside of a very short period of time, he had built out a very, like a, a proof of concept that proved that he could, in fact, with the API, automate that. And it got to the point where he, he proved that out and then he really took it to the next level and was like, you can, not only can you, can I automate it, but you can plot multiple points. We can, you can have it so that you can actually like plot the points, move around, um, uh, you know, you can pan the screen as it's going. Um, we can plot out where all the, where all the, where all the points are. Um, I think in the, in the, in the one we released on GitHub, you can't, uh, you can't actually make it as big or as long as you want. And it's sort of finite, but you can, if you download it, you can tweak it and make it do whatever you want. It's pretty cool. So there's two things I'm super curious about. One is having a lab, a labs team within an agency. Is that mm-hmm. a normal thing? Having a lab, I think was a, a little bit of a thing back then. Having it inside of an agency, not as much. Um, I think uh, it was, that was definitely one of like, so Peter, who is working with us, was a really great developer. John was really interested in like trying to figure out new things. Those two basically got together and they they they, they hatched the idea of TNLX Labs, <clears throat> where they would be um, not working on paying customers ever, only ever to explore things that obviously paying customers would never explore, which makes total sense, right? Nobody's going to come in and and ask you to build hyperlapse. They don't even know it can. It's possible. Um, or if there's a new technology, no one's going to come in the door and say, like, I want you to use this new technology. Yeah. I don't even know what I'm building. Experiment with this on our production <laughs> yeah, it's project. Like, yeah. oh, it sounds, no, that's like not even something that would be interesting. Um, <laughs> so this was just a way for us to learn new things, to try these things, and then um, see if they actually had like real world applications that we could then maybe pitch to clients, right? And be like, hey, or people may see them and then want to make them make them real, but we we wouldn't have worked them through the lab. What else came out of labs? Um, Hyperlapse was definitely the biggest one. There was uh, some early stuff. What do we do? Um, some so some of the stuff was like um, physical. Some of it was like purely um, software. Other things were highly conceptual. So we actually had a designer at one point. Um, think of a different way that a calendaring app could work and how you would and how you could um, basically play with that interface. So he designed it. One of our iOS guys basically prototyped it out. It was just kind of like this little proof of concept, like almost like a toy for an interface. So it was like that low level um, all the way to like um, in in the U.S. You don't have these. (laughs) 
But in Canada, uh, you have milk jugs. This is a thing. You buy your buy you buy your milk in a bag, not in a box. Or they a have jug. those in Minnesota. They do. It's super weird. <laughs> yeah, it is. See, I, I, it, you I, get like special pitchers for them and stuff. Yeah. So you what? get this. So the pitcher, right? So it, yeah. And they're, they're usually opaque. You can't tell when you're almost out of milk, really. So somebody just had this like really zany idea. This was like, this was never going to be a real product, right? It was just like a funny thing, a funny way to build physical product and and uh, and software together in the really early days. So they built a milk jug that held these bags of milk, and it would detect um, when <laughs> the the bag was low and if you needed more milk, and then it would just buzz your phone and be like, "Hey, you're out of milk. Somebody just used the last of it at the house." That's awesome. It's like <laughs> Amazon Dash, yeah. But before Amazon Dash, yeah. And then w- there was other ones there too. Um, there was one, uh, man. What was it? One where you could use the camera, draw on your phone, and if you pointed it at any device, any screen that had this thing installed on it, this app installed on it, it would basically have like a border color around the outer edge of the screen, and you could draw on it. So yeah, if you, I can't remember what the name what? It was. I have to look. It was there was a name for it, um, yeah. So like, there's there's a lot of cool projects that came out of that. Um, Digit, Digit was not Touch Vision was the one I was thinking of. It's one of, it was one of our earliest ones. <clears throat> so you can enable touch interaction to basically. Like, oh man, I remember ASCII Street View. That's crazy. ASCII Street View, yeah, that was Pete's big thing. He always liked to play with ASCII. Awesome. Digit was just like this um, this um, seven segment seven segment mirror basically. Like the little seven segment um, characters, yeah, like the LC, LCD display, like an LCD clock digit, yeah. yeah. And there so, were basically <laughs> tons of them strung together with a camera in the front. When you walked in front of it, it would basically show you in these little seven segments. It was an art project, uh, basically. It was, it was like a piece of art, and they ended up going on display at um, up in Toronto at um, the Bell uh, TIFF Light Center, which is where they do like the film festival. That's awesome. Yeah. What was the impact of all these things because these are all over the place right um reputation okay they all built reputation that's you know that a lot of that stuff uh, at the end of the day we still had to hustle and it was a lot of word of mouth like and you had we had to get on phones and get on planes to come get business but none of that really would have been possible without doing stuff like this so producing good work obviously kind of helps um but uh, you know it was all about building reputation Putting stuff, putting interesting things in market that it shows like how creative or smart you can be, whether it's applied to something that is, you know, not a real thing or through a real thing. And we, we, and we showed them off in really different ways, right? With, with our work, we, we, we wrote long form true stories about like the highs and lows of that stuff and what we learned out of it. And, and we did the exact same thing with labs, right? We talked about what failed because we had some failed experiments too. They all didn't work out. Um, and we showed those things off. They just tended to take like a very different, more lab based and, t- and usually they had some element of, um, of being physical in mm-hmm. nature. So you had the labs, you had the, the stories, and then you also had the design resources like the, <clears throat> yep. the UI kits, the UI kits. Yeah. Those were, <clears throat> those were a real happy accident. <laughs> Does everyone ask you about those? Cause those everybody took over you. the world, right? Yeah. Everyone uses them. Yeah. Are they, I was interviewing somebody yesterday that works at Apple. And when he started at Apple, they were getting ready to like do some concepting. And there, and the guy was like, oh, we're working on this new thing. Just go download the Tinalax template. <laughs> 
And like, I was like, what? Like we don't have our own. And that was not even, I mean, maybe not in his division. They didn't, they, it was kind of, it was a known thing that that's what you did. You just, you know, so, I mean, that's how it was everywhere else. Why not there? (laughs) That makes no sense. Why did they not have that? Right. (laughs) They've gotten better actually. They don't communicate well internally. You gotta gotta get it from the outside. You're right. (laughs) Some of their latest stuff is getting better. They have like sketch resources now. Are they any good though? Oh, well. I actually haven't used any of them. I haven't used any of them either, and I did ask somebody in passing because they had the wa- the watch one, right? Right, the watch ones. What is that what you're referring to? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I mean, ask what's what are the people? Uh... The Higgs feel like they're getting more visual, which is kind of cool. Mm-hmm. Like they're, it feels like they're giving you more of the specifics of how to build things, like on a device level, instead mm-hmm. of just at a high level, like. Don't do this with your nav bar. <clears throat> don't do this with your tab bar. It's more like, no, your tab bar should look basically like this. It's like forty nine points or whatever. Yeah, I like that. I like that they're they feel like they're supporting design now instead of putting up with it. Oh, it's yeah. like it's yeah. like before everything that wasn't Apple design kind of sucked in their mind. That's what it felt like. But do you think it would be different if they owned Photoshop <laughs> or Sketch? I have no idea. Why haven't they bought Sketch? I've heard stories of uh, an internal tool that's pretty awesome. Yeah. At Apple? Yeah. Mm-hmm. That, then why not release I mean, I don't think... Uh, yeah, seriously. Because they're Apple? That doesn't make it. It'd be really great to have a, like a fourth pro tool. Like they've got Logic. They had Aperture. I guess that's gone now, right? Yep. They haven't had a lot of success with that, right? Yeah. The and then stuff. what's the other one? Um, Final Cut. Final Cut's pretty big. Oh, yeah, that's right? big. You're We're right. using Logic right now. It'd be really cool to have a neat Small market, tool. Small markets, though. Probably. Right? They're not really into that anymore, are they? I feel like they're, for the most part, fairly high margin. Yeah. But I don't know. Um, you said the, this. I guess they were Photoshop resources at the time. They were a happy accident. Yeah, so what happy happened? accident. Um, I think probably like a lot of people who were messing around with iPhone app designs back then, because that's what you did, right, in your spare time. You probably took screen caps of what was it, whatever was on your phone, and you probably just, like, you, you probably used, like... <laughs> like the magic lasso or whatever your crappy selection tool of choice was and you bush league like slap together some some app Mm -hmm. and or maybe you did build out some some crappy uh, elements as well because we did and and not only did they like i do it but probably like 90 percent of the designers at team and lax did it too they all had their own way of doing it is what i'm basically trying to say and that felt ridiculous um, so, and I also was frustrated because I was working on, uh, a pitch. Um, I don't even remember who it was for. And a lot of our pitches back then, um, cause it was just so new and it was just starting to become popular, um, included like, and here's what your app could look like. Like, Oh God, it makes me cringe just thinking about it today. Um, but I, I remember just working and, and, uh, gathering all these various resources that we had amassed throughout the company and just being like, there's, there's just, we have to just create one. Mm-hmm. Right. And then we can just use it and people can add to it. Right. As we need, like, I don't know, a map and a pin, somebody, you know, draws the map and a pin and then you add it to this resource and then our resource gets better and better. Uh, and then we're not wasting time trying to, you know, hack this thing together. So that's what we did. And, um, we, I think I, I think I put it up on Dig, on a Friday, oh, man. a Friday night. Dig with dude, Dig was huge. Oh yeah, it, it was. It was no, I lost like half my productivity there. <laughs> dig was so huge that it's still even after. So I, I don't know when did when did the App Store come out? 
2007 or 8? 2008. 2008. Yeah. So Pink. 2008, where was it? It was a traffic day, I think. So, and we, we launched it not knowing um, how big it would be. I think we put it up on a Friday afternoon, right? Not the best time to try and put something out, but we didn't care. Like we were just like, whatever, here's this thing. No one's going to care about this. We posted it out for people to download and it wasn't even good. Not pixel accurate. It was really actually terrible. Um, and, uh, we had our biggest traffic day ever in the, in the history of all the company in 2008 from dig.com. <laughs> and we were, we made like, we've, we've been like on yeah. the tops of big, like, yeah. big pages, but dig was just killed it for us. It was crazy. Looking at our, like our Google analytics spike and it's still, it's just like a line, line, line spike, line, line, line. <laughs> and it was just, it slowly climbed up, but never even came close to that again. Anyways, that was a happy accident. So we started to do it all the time. We started, even I think the first two or three versions were not that good. We weren't taking pixel snapping seriously. Pixel snapping wasn't that easy back then when you we were yeah, working with vector absolutely. shapes. You used to have to zoom in to 1600% and nudge like so delicately or draw a marquee and then drag and snap. If it even did that in the early days, I don't remember. Anyways, it was not that easy. So, uh, but eventually it became easy. And then they, we took them really seriously because they started to get downloaded so much. Can you um, share how many downloads those got? I wish time? I could. It's millions and millions and millions. Um, we didn't start tracking it until later. I have to be responsible for a couple hundred of those. Seriously, like, <laughs> yeah, that's so. Yeah. That's definitely something. So yeah. these are not unique demos because I've been responsible for a couple hundred as well. Even though they're on a server, I'm just like or whatever my Dropbox. I definitely just go to the site and re-download. Yeah, it. yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Oh, yeah. That's right. And there was no Amazon AWS back then, so we had these things hosted on rack space nice holy bill (laughs) (laughs) dude i cannot imagine it was huge it was huge but evidently worth it yeah well we quickly got it off you became like a household name among the design community like you were the de facto source for everything like ios ui the ios ui stuff that was how i first found t handler it definitely yeah we got we still get a lot of that right and there's still lots of times where if i'm if I am speaking at a conference or something, it's just like, oh, I, I love your your PSDs or sketch files. Um, that's kind of, that really did put us on the map for a lot of that stuff. Not necessarily what we wanted to be known for, but I'll take it. It's great. Hey, PR, <laughs> it's <right>. awesome. <laughs> so I'm sure you've probably been asked this like a million times, but can you explain the picture of you and John mm. as the wallpaper? Yeah. Um, Finn O'Hara. Uh, Finn O'Hara photography. He shot that. Um, he, we, John and I, since, since our very first year, um, never wanted to do a digital Christmas card. We thought they were terrible. Hated them. Hated receiving them. Hated the concept of making them because we had done it in the past at, at our previous company. And so we said, we're only ever going to do paper cards. I actually think that one of the reasons was is because his dad's company did the same thing, a whole bunch of old lawyers. And they would always do these funny Christmas cards. They put themselves in ridiculous situations and they kind of whatever, take the piss out of themselves, send it to your clients, it's funny. Um, and so I think that's part and part, that's part of where that idea came from. And so, uh, yeah, we were, we were just looking for ideas and, um, and uh, we ended up just coming up with this, this concept of like, we'll do something like Step Brothers. I think it was one of the, the employees or maybe it was Finn himself. I don't recall. Um, that was probably like a 2005 or six card, actually. So there's a few previous to that. There's many after as well. 
Anyways, that one was, I think that was always like our favorite. And when we were doing the PSD, I was like, I need a high quality photo to put in here, but it has to be something (laughs) that like we own the rights to, right? Um, And so I just like was quickly looking through my thing and I was like, there's a photo, boom, put that up there. And it's sort of become like the thing now. It's that photo. I think the resource would have been successful no matter what. But for me, that's like the icing on the cake is that yeah. there's humor and it always felt like it was the it. kind of company that you could just like, you could picture yourself getting a beer with the company. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, again, another happy accident about that, getting that photo in there. So you are still maintaining it. You're working on iOS nine. I am. I'm going to, I usually don't start uh, working on it until we hit gold master. Yeah. Um, because I've, kind of been burned in the past where I had worked out ahead of it and lots of things changed. And then I didn't, I wasn't aware of everything that changed. And then you have to deal with a whole bunch of people like, Oh, this is wrong now. And I'm like, no, it's not. And I'm like, damn it. I looked at it. It's updated. Yes, it is wrong. So, um, so I'm debating. I put something out on Facebook today, just like asking if, cause I don't want to put it on my phone yet. <laughs> but if somebody out there listening wants to uh, put a Dropbox folder together and take screen caps of every UI element, I may get an early start. So do you actually manually do those towards the end? Or was it someone else on the team? Um, it, so it was me for the first number of years. Okay. And then in the later last couple of years, uh, I had the team sort of all pitch in. So what about for this one? Are you jumping back on it? I think I may jump back on it. But again, if there's more people out there wanting to like volunteer some time, I'm... Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm willing to take it. I, so I actually, so the first, it was always only Photoshop. And then we got a lot of requests for sketch and, um, and Tyler Howarth, um, who, uh, who is a big sketch advocate offered up some of his time and he helped us with the very first version of sketch. And then we subsequently the next year took it on. I think that's where, and then that leads us to today. I think. What do you use right now? Um, do you do a lot of IC work? <laughs> I was just going to make a joke about that. What do I use? I'm, I use a lot of calendar, <laughs> um, conversations, <laughs> yeah, um, pointing at screens, whiteboard markers. I'm just going to assume these are all like new Facebook <laughs> apps coming out. Yeah. <laughs> pointing at whiteboards. <clears throat> God, that's going to be my favorite one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I don't do a lot of IC work anymore. Yeah, I don't. I've, um, I think, and even back in the later, I think you know, Medium was probably actually one of the last things I really. You know, did a lot of IC work on. And even then I had a team of people with me, so. Do you miss it? You say it sort of uh, I do wistfully. It, I do wistfully I, is the word. I don't yeah. know. I'm not sure if I miss it. I don't know. I mean, I, I started to really get to enjoy the fact that the people around me were just better at the craft than I was. Hmm. I mean, I, I never thought of myself as a shitty designer. I always thought I was a good designer. But um, it got to the point where I had hired and surrounded myself with really talented people and I also felt like I could get a lot out of them by the things that I knew, right, and directing them. Um, and I got to enjoy that. And so um, I still really do. I think I still have, like, I still am very close to the product. I think even inside of Facebook, I get considered a very hands-on manager. Um, but hands-on doesn't necessarily always have to be, like, move away and let me take over your mouse. It's, you know, it's like providing feedback and, and conceptualizing mm-hmm. some ideas with these people. So I'm hands-on in that way. I look at, I want to touch the product as much as I can. That's how I, that's how I like value. That's how I get my design. You know, that's where I sort of check that box. So, so you haven't just crossed off the list. You're still, <clears throat> I still, still doing it. Oh my God. Yeah, still totally. Just not, I'm just not actually pushing pixels or like, you know, creating pushing pixels. Anymore. You know, it's sad. How did you get into design? 
I know it's taken us off track a bit, but that's all right. Uh, I got into design. Um, my uh, a neighbor in high school was working at a print company. They had just got like one of the very first like fiery machines where you could rip digital files through like a continuous tone color printer. So like no dots. I was like, that's insane. You could like print money. Literally. You could print money. I was like, I want. So he took me in. He gave me a little tour of the studio. Um, Printed up some counterfeit 20s. (laughs) Went to the store. Went to jail. Um and, it's uh, Canadian jail. It's so, not that bad. <laughs> not that bad. It's Walked pretty, out the same day. <laughs> it's pretty Print bad. some loonies. <laughs> sorry. Coins, right? Well, I have to say sorry, and you're totally good. Um, <laughs> so I, uh, I got to, I got to give it, get a tour. He showed me like what, how this whole design industry just became digital, and I was like, like, and like truly digital. I was like, God, oh, that's amazing. Can you like teach me? And he was like, Yeah. So he would come over to my house, and he, I, I bought a version of Corel Draw. That was like the yes. first thing I learned. Right, because I wow. think I used to dabble. Like everybody else would dabble in like Mac Paint or or whatever. When did Coral when like die? Because I swear to God, I it's had to install still around. I still had to. I, I had around. to install a copy when I was working in IT like a few years ago, and I was like, "What is this?" Yeah. John and I used to go to CES all the time, and we knew that they had hit rock bottom when we saw them in the periphery um, of one of the venues, and next to them was a guy selling a toilet paper roll dispenser with an iPod dock on it. And they were right next door in the same no. size booth. And we were like, Ooh, oh. how the mighty have fallen. Rough. Yeah. <laughs> Anyways, I did that for a little while. I, 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 I just learned on my own and, uh, I got to meet a couple of people who were like throwing parties, like raves. I did a lot of rave art back then. And then I went to school. And, uh, Does Canada do like raves? Po- like, Wait, what yeah. is rave art? Like posters for like posters and invites okay. for raves. You know, okay. like we were just it was it was like print stuff. I was doing a lot of print. Um, I hadn't done anything on the internet, and uh, I went to school for design arts, and I got really passionate about like identity design, taking design more seriously than a lot of like the three D and illustrative work that I was doing um, for uh, for like all these you know electronic parties. And uh, now I feel now I feel dumb saying rave parties. I don't even know. No. Oh no, I think that's fine. Electronic parties is now the title of the episode, hands down. <laughs> Sweet, that's awesome. <laughs> I just made it. So, so I got. I was really sick of that kind of work because it was really gaudy and awful. So I um I started to get into identity design and uh, and annual report design, which I think was really cool. Annual report design. All right, so this that is a very specific <laughs> niche. Yeah, but back then it was a huge thing. So. You had your investors that you would send these things to. You'd usually have quarterly ones that were not super well designed. They would just be like printed on like newsprint, basically. They'd still be well designed, but not like really high gloss, high finish stuff. And then your annual report, your year end report, that would be like where you would hire like the best design firm. You would take information design so seriously, right? Like tabular data, um, infographics, photography, typography. Um, everything was custom. So they had lots of money to throw at these things and you could print it on the best paper. You could use like multiple colors, die cut, like whatever. It was like free reign, best of the best. And so I was like, I want to do that. That feels like the best expression of like print design. And it's highly functional too, which mm-hmm. I liked, right? It wasn't just like for like, not, I mean, I, I love the, 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 I love the notion of, um, of layout for like magazines as well, but this felt even more functional. Um, cause it's trying to communicate like a business in a book. That's crazy to me. 
Um, they, it's like a dead art form now. Yeah. Um, sadly, I mean, it, it, they still do them, but they're not like they used to be. I still have a whole bunch of them. They're just incredible. Um, and so, anyways, I got really into that, um, and eventually did that at a at an internship. wasn't good enough to stay on. I left my job and went to go work at a print shop. Worked on identities for this print shop, and uh, one of the one of the companies that came in was doing an internet startup called NetSteps. And they were basically putting companies on the web. It was like a, it was like, it was basically like a takeout menu. And you, they get on for as cheap as a thousand bucks plus like some recurring because they did hosting and stuff. <laughs> awesome stuff. You can imagine what you got for that back uh-huh. then. Really great. Um, anyway, she liked the identity work a lot, the, the stationary design and that kind of thing. So uh, she offered me a job to lead the design of this burgeoning internet company that went what year bankrupt. Is this? this is, uh, uh, mid nineties or late nineties, ninety seven probably. Okay, okay. <laughs> it's going back. Uh huh. It's going back. Uh, yep. So we did that, and uh, they were, um, they were, <laughs> they did not know how to run a business. Um, they had some problems, uh, and um, personal as well. And uh, <laughs> yeah, they were a little bit of a wreck. Not in common in the internet business. <laughs> so they uh, they they drove that company in the ground, and uh, I realized that. It, I didn't have a job when my paycheck bounced. So, oh, shit. <laughs> so I got together with a couple other employees from that company, and we started our first company called Templar 3. And we were doing, at, when, we were at, um, when we were at NetSteps, we stumbled across something called um, Future Splash, which was the precursor to Flash. Macromedia ended up buying Future Splash. And it was vector animation, right? And so, like, there's sites of, oh, my God, someone was so bad back then. GaboCorp and, like, NRG, like, really going back there to dig for these ones. They were pretty bad. Anyways, we, we started to do that stuff because we felt like this could be, like, the, this could be the Internet, right? Like, why are we dealing with HTML and blink tags when we can oh literally God. animate, <laughs> right. like, right. the web? And so we started to do that. And it obviously required a plugin that no one had back then, right? No one. Um, but it was still pretty cool. So we started to build our first company around that. And uh, we ended up working on some stuff for Coca-Cola through this agency called Moda Media that John was a creative director at. And that's how we met. Because I got tired. We got tired. We were struggling for a couple of years doing that. A year and a half, I think we did it for. Um maybe two years at the most. And we, I was just tired of eating ramen noodles every day because it's all I could afford. So um, I went in there and I the associate creative director, Glenn Bartlett, was the guy who I was working with most. And I'd gotten to know John a little bit. And we were like, hey, you want to hire us? Like for good? Please. <laughs> like <laughs> for, please. for good, not on a contract basis? And they said yes. So Awesome. And then how much longer till you and John split off? Um, when the bubble burst and they... Uh, they had 10 offices around the world, 850 people, and they reduced it down to like two or three. Toronto was one of the ones that they shut down. That would have been 2002. Yeah, 2002. So we did that for a couple of years together at Moda Media and then <clears throat> looked for jobs after that together um, and uh, realized that, uh, that none of the places that were hiring or that were even created were places that we wanted to work. They were all based off old... Um, antiquated industry, like ad agency um, models, multiple levels of hierarchy. And um, we had just come from that because ours was a digital agency, Mm -hmm. but it was still based off that same structure. And we were like, there's a better way. Mm -hmm. There has to be a better way. And so uh, 
we had a client that uh, I was uh, managing at at this company that shut down, and I called headquarters and they're like, do you guys mind if I take this client on? And we're not supposed to, but do you mind? And they're like, no, you'd be doing us a favor. Oh. So I called the client and I said, and I called one of the guys that was like working heavily on this, an information architect, which was a big thing back then, because we were building an intranet, which is another big thing back then. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, and I said, what if I told you that um, I can do you the exact same job that you were about to pay? I can't remember what it was. It was a lot, though. It was a few hundred grand. And I was like, I'll do it for a third of the price. Would you say yes to that? I'll do the same team. Uh, or a third to half the price. I can't remember what it was. And they were like, yeah, sure. Let's do uh, it. Yeah. So they did it. And then we were, and then John and I, so John had to stay on because he was a director at this last company. And then he came on a couple months later after he had sort of fulfilled his duties. Helped finish that project out. Plus he had then talked that he was working the game in New York because the company that like just basically fired us, laid us off had a whole bunch of work to do still and they didn't have anybody to do it. So John's like working the other angle. He's like, we just got all this work from the, from the same agency that just fired us basically or laid us off. And we still had this other client through, um, through, uh, like the client that I was working with. And we we're like, let's just work this until uh-huh. it's, until it's done. Yeah. Right. And, it never, and then we'll go get jobs. <laughs> and it never ended. And it never ended. Yeah. We woke up one day and we're like, Oh my God, we just leased a $15,000 color copier. We're like that was a big deal back then, right? Like we um, the least the least yeah. the least payment would have been like a couple hundred dollars. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but back then it was it was a big deal because it wasn't actually the money. It was we have to sign a lease for three years. That means we're responsible for this thing for like three or four years, whatever it was. Uh-huh. It's like that was like oh shit. Why, what if this thing ends in like three months? What are we gonna do with this? You're gonna have a really <laughs> nice color copier in your house. In your house. Exactly. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Exactly. Well, we never got to that place, thankfully. But yeah, I never got to actually do what I wanted to do, which was like do annual report design. I got to work on one, but I wasn't working on any of the fun shit. I never got to do it. And it doesn't exist anymore. Is like, Facebook going to have some really dope annual reports this year? <laughs> that would be so, that'd be so awesome. <laughs> I have no idea. They have this, they have another, they have another division that's actually quite separate. Like they're in the same office that works on a lot of the Mark, the Marcom stuff. And I, I actually would be surprised if, even if they did it, maybe they do. I think by law, you have to actually send out paper. You used to be able, you used to have to. Man, law is weird. Laws. Laws. How are you liking your watch? Mm, I actually like it. Everybody always asks me that, and I give them a man, and you know what? Fuck it, I like it. I like it too. I like it because it's simple. Like, it doesn't, it doesn't, I actually don't use any apps. I only use it for the, for the, uh, notifications. Notifications. And it does, it has like a couple sweet moments where I was just like, Oh yeah, that's sweet. So the other day I was like, yesterday, I'm like cooking in the kitchen. My phone's in the living room and I'd set a timer to like turn off something on the stove. And my phone's like and going off, right? And then, you know, I was like, I gotta go turn it off. But then my my watch is like buzzing too. So I just hit dismiss and they both just silent. Isn't that awesome? I I don't have to go back in the living room and turn it off. I love that. So I, I used to set my timer every morning for coffee. Yeah. And then I started talking to my wrist to do it. And I was like, this is wonderful. Whoa, whoa, whoa. What's this your, is fantastic. What's your, what do you do? What are you doing? You set a reminder? Set a timer for five minutes. Oh, sorry. I didn't get that. Of course it happens. That's okay. Now. Thanks, Siri. Set a timer for five minutes. It's good. That's going to go off now. It's, oh man, it's, it's, there's some such Isn't latency that great? though, but this is pretty sweet. That's cool. I don't use that. Now I will. Thank you. What yeah. I was uh, talking about the watch and how amazing it is. No one, and everybody's just too afraid to admit it.
Ah, so you have opinions on the watch. <clears throat> I actually, I actually do. I was just saying, like, I really, um, people ask me that when they see it on my wrist. They're like, how do you like it? And I usually give them a relatively meh answer. I'm like, eh, it's okay. I don't know. Not, no good apps. Not really sure what I'm using it for. But I mean, like, usually it's like, oh, yeah, I don't know. Notifications are pretty decent. Mm-hmm. But actually, I've worn it now for a number of days. I have like I, I, I have like a thing where I, I thought it was going to be a pain in the ass to charge it. Didn't think I was going to charge it, and I was like, it's going to have to have like a couple real killer features for me when I plug this thing in every night. And I find myself without question plugging it in and not ever thinking of it as a chore. And that's like the key. If I think about yeah. it like a chore, then I'm like, something's not quite right with the product. If this is a chore, mm-hmm. if it's doing it, if I'm doing it and it's like not a, an issue, then that's pretty cool. I'm super excited for the stuff they're doing with uh, watchOS where they're going to like you. If you turn on the side while it's charging, it's a, an alarm clock because that's like a good value prop for charging it. How many, that's other, so cool. how many other use cases are there for that, though? So like, mean? that's cool. So but are you going to be able to pro- so you're going to be able to program like orientation? Yeah, right. Of course. But pretty much that's the only I mean, can you think of another good one for turning on the side? Yeah, not really. But I'm excited cool. about uh, getting access to the digital crown. Obviously, they're not going to use the com- communication button. I, I love the thing. I love <laughs> using it. Just like rolling my finger across cool. it. I just it's don't know so why good. it's called a digital crown. Can't they, they just call it a crown or an analog crown? Hey, man. They dug <laughs> crown. real deep into orology. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so you're giving mediocre reviews, but you actually... No, I actually like it. it. So I think the... Yeah, no. So then when, when, when I just got asked now, I'm like, oh, yeah, actually, no, I actually do quite like it. Like... I had this really pleasant experience yesterday where I was cooking. My phone was in the living room. Obviously, my watch is on my wrist. I'm in the kitchen. I had set a timer, and my phone starts going off. And it's just like when you like set an alarm to wake up, and you're just like, where's the phone? i got to find it. I was like, just turn it off for my wrist. They both shut up instantaneously. I was mm-hmm. like, oh, that's good. That's nice. It's, like obvi- it's an obvious thing, right? Mm-hmm. But it was just like there's little moments like that where I have with it where I'm like, that's like a real nice thing. Mm-hmm. I've used the find my iPhone button a lot too. Oh, I haven't tried that yet. Yeah, it's really convenient. It's good ding 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 and then yeah. like as soon as you like hit the button again it just stops. Yeah. It's wonderful. Yeah. I got bones to pick. I don't think like the I find like some of the the in and out of apps and where I am is kind of confusing sometimes, yeah. but I really just for me right now. I Do you even use apps? Apps like on on your, your on your watch? No, never. Yeah, me neither. No, I tried them out when I first got the watch. Yeah, and never again. I used the map ones, the maps one a lot when I was in Europe, and half the time it made it seem like I had this like preternatural ability to to like navigate around cities I'd never been to before, <laughs> and the other time it made me look absolutely idiotic because I'd walk in exactly the wrong direction. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah, that's the thing about the watches. When it first came out, I <clears throat> was bad mouthing it because I thought it was superfluous to have all these apps and stuff now that i have one i realize like i don't use the apps and that's not the point of the watch and Mm. there's too many other it's an extra the apps are an add-on it's not the default functionality right right somebody's gonna i i i hope that and i think that there will probably be a couple of good apps that come out where people really sort of solve some really key Mm -hmm. simple use cases where it's just like oh god that's really good that's really really good right Mm -hmm. i don't know if it's gonna be facebook or not but <clears throat> I've been I've been telling all my friends there that they need to build a sticker fight app where all you can do is send stickers and just scroll through them with a digital crown and hit one and done. Yeah. Sticker fight. Sticker fight. Copyright 2015. Bring Jackson. All rights reserved. Do it. I can't, I was just telling them about that in the break. That's bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> it's not on the show, man. <laughs> Thanks. 
editing. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, that part of the recording got out, man. Mm. <laughs> um, Where's your proof? Yeah, Apple Watch. Siri, record this. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be cool. Take I, th- I think it does that. It does. Well, the new with, with the um, they're opening that up, right? In the, yeah, the voice API. Oh, yeah. Which I thought was really interesting that they were like, you guys all asked for it. <laughs> voice. <laughs> <laughs> and and all the tweets right after that were like, I can't believe anyone asked for that. <laughs> no, no one asked for that, actually. <laughs> Zero people. Uh, so good. But, you know, I'm really excited to see what they do with the native apps because the ones that are, like, actually native, a lot of the Apple apps are much faster. And I'm excited to see what huh. you can do with it. Is that right? Yeah, I think so. The stock weather app's not fast. I feel like they're all slow. Well, that one depends on a data call right away. What one's it, what's slow. a good one? Well, like, the world clock and the timer always started right away for me. Or at least I never, like... Yeah. It wasn't something I felt like was slow. So basically, anything that doesn't or need data. Calendar, it's just, yeah, it's if, it, data. if it doesn't depend on an initial data call, yeah. then sure, why not? Right. But the weather apps are the slowest thing at all for me. Maps, maybe? I haven't even used maps. I haven't opened it. Yeah. I just love that it, like, it, it has different, like, uh, taps for which direction you should turn. So I, I don't have to, like, have my phone out looking at it. It's just like, oh... I can turn here or go straight or whatever. Yeah. What does it do? How does it? So it, it taps like like a heartbeat if you want to turn left. And everyone left. on the podcast has no idea what you just did. Right. Yep. Tap it, on the mic. It, it taps like a heartbeat. Maybe a little faster than that. Yeah. But if you have to turn left because heartbeat left. Sure. And, and right? And right is like... <laughs> because... Because it's, because it's not reasons. the same as left. <laughs> and, and it just does like a quick burst if, right. if you're supposed to go straight. That's cool. Yeah, it's convenient. Yeah. And then, like, once you get to the destination, it does a few, like, bursts. I don't know. It was it was really convenient. Like, yeah. half the time, it was incredible. And Sarah's like, why do you know your way around Rome? But then the other half of the time, it took us a mile in the wrong direction. <laughs> you pissed everyone off. Because maps. <laughs> um, before we get to the end of the time, I have one question that I got to ask. And it's, I know you wrote about this when, when you went from T-Hanlax to Facebook. Yeah. But why Facebook? Like, why is this an important thing for you to be working on mm. at this point in your life? Um, I think I wanted something. First of all, I wanted to go work with really good people again, right? Um, I wanted to work as, uh, on something at scale, on a problem that interests me, on something that I felt like I could actually make some good change in, something that needed help. There's lots of great products out there that I really love and enjoy. Um, there's lots of great products that I, I think I could see myself working at, but a lot of them, you know, they, they have some misses here and there in terms of like how much, how much do I feel like I could help them? Um, I think, you know, we met some companies that were really secretive and it was really hard to get a sense of even what we'd be working on. Um, Facebook was really open, um, and they were really accessible. They shared a lot of future plans, plans that I was like really excited about. I was like, Oh my God, you guys are like you guys do some good shit. This is great. And like, you're going to tell us about them on the show, right? <laughs> next like right episode. Now. Next episode. <laughs> it was really exciting. I just have to say it was really exciting to see that level of like thoughtfulness and insightfulness in their work. I mean, I think it's really, I also felt like the challenges of, of, um, of Teen and Lax where we can, we, where we come in for a very finite period of time, right? Like 90 days typically. And we solve a couple of problems and then we leave. That was really gratifying. I really enjoyed that. Um, some of it was really blue sky stuff, but you never saw it through, right? Or, or it, was, it wasn't, you saw it through, but sometimes it was just like you wouldn't, it would never actually, you, you weren't still working on the product mm-hmm. at that point. And so what, when you saw it at the other end, it was something very different. You didn't, have, you didn't understand why. 
why it was different. Why couldn't they have shipped it that way or what didn't work and why they'd have to make that change and could we have been there to make it better? Facebook for me was, is, was like on a personal level. There's lots of reasons why we, why, we, why we did it for the company too, but for on a personal level, it was a place where I felt like it was going to be challenged to like ship really great product, right? Here's something that's super well established that I feel like from a design standpoint um, has had trouble, right? There's tons of amazing designers there and they're, and they're starting to put out really good work. I was like, this is like, this is something I want to be a part of because I feel like we're just heading into something that's going to be really special at Facebook and I want to be a part of that. I want to be part of that change. Um, and I like a good challenge like that, like to, to, to conceive of this new app and have it, you know, um, be out in the wild and, and then to try and grow it. That's one challenge. I think the other challenge is to say, to take something that's in one of the most popular things on the planet and improve it without screwing up the entire company. That's another challenge. I really like that. And I think one of the things I wanted to do to sort of, you know, to be the opposite thing of that 90 day sprint was like, where can I put myself? Where can I be set up for success to really make change over a long period of time? I still want to be shipping and, and making change all the time, but there's a lot of problems to be solving and we're all, and the whole ecosystem is changing anyway. So there's always going to be problems to solve. And I felt like that was a place where, um, you know, the senior management really cared. Um, they were deeply involved in the product and still are. They talked really passionately about it. Um, you know, my manager, Julie, is like a force as well. She really gets it. And then uh, everybody, uh, you know, um, adjacent to and, and all the people that are like all the product designers, the PMs, they, they were just like, they're really impressive people that seem to really, really care about, you know, improving it. And so that meant a lot to me. And this has been Jeff trying to convince Brian to join his team. Oh, yeah. Brian, so, <laughs> so I forgot about that. So we're working on some stuff inside of some of the groups that you may be interested Keep in. Keep talking. <laughs> Into the microphone. I think this is the first time it's been brought up on the show. <clears throat> You're welcome. <laughs> Good thing I cleared it with you before we started recording, right? <coughs> <laughs> By the uh, way, that was an awesome answer. I don't yeah. That was very no, thoughtful. Okay. That. No, it's fine. The, yeah. I think it surprised a lot of people when it was announced that TN and Lax was shutting down. I'm sure. And then... I know, actually. <laughs> it, it, was, <laughs> it, it, it was quite a reaction. Crazy. Yeah, it was. Um, I mean, we, we definitely did a lot of due diligence, too. Like, we spent a long time thinking about that decision. You know, we were talking to companies for eight months a year. We had plenty of people come before uh, as well, and we just thought we we were the timing was never right. <clears throat> the timing's probably never right. First of all, um, it's just sometimes better than others, and so um, this was a time for us in our company where we where we felt like it was the right time. And when we looked at everybody um, and all the options in, out in front of us, Facebook was by far and away like the best option for us. We took it. If you don't want to talk about it, just tell me. But I'm curious, when you announced and mm. it erupted this like tweet storm, people were blogging about it. Yeah. From an outside perspective, you and John and everyone at Lax kept a fairly cool head about it, like not really getting too controversial into the discussion and stuff. Yeah. If, could you share how that, that was, thought process happened? That was really hard, first of all, to like not engage mm-hmm. in conversation about that. Um, cause we took a lot of that stuff really personally. You know, there was a lot of people who just, there's a lot of things that was just like, you didn't care about the staff. You're not taking care of them. You're just doing it for the money. It's just the three of you. And none of those things were true, you know? Um, and 
we didn't get to control everything in this in in the situation but you know we felt like just keeping cool head um not playing insider baseball this stuff will blow over the people who know us as people know what we're all about right um and and that's that was just kind of good enough for us we just kind of let it be and it did blow over and it did blow over and and i did get people i i i definitely had people you know, I, I read some of the stuff. I had to start to avoid reading it, like the comment threads or, oh, or the tweets. <laughs> yeah. And it was just like I had to just turn it off because it was like <laughs> I was just, you know, it hurt a little bit. And and uh, and at the end of the day, it was like, this is not true. And I had other people reach out and just be like, look, I know it's bullshit. And I called a few people, too. I was like, what do you think? Like, should we be responding to some of this stuff? And people were just like, no, man, forget about it. People know who you are. Just let it be. And it's the Internet. And it's the internet. The Every, internet forgets. Every, everything <laughs> blows over it. And, yeah. it. and sure enough, it did. Two, three days, and it really wasn't news anymore, right? Hmm. There you have it. Well, well done on, on keeping cool heads there. We're glad you're out in the city. Uh, yes. Otherwise, we never would have been able to like randomly run into you at a Photoshop party. And, like, yes, as soon as the news came <laughs> out, you, you to come on the here, show. Brendan and I were like, <laughs> holy shit, we got to get Jeff Tehan and John Lax on the show. That's awesome. ASAP. Yeah. And it took us a few months, but here cool. we are. Did you have John on yet? No, he's too busy with dog conferences. Oh, yeah, that's right. He's really into those. Dog things. tech conferences. <laughs> yeah. He's John big. Lax. Yeah. Nope. Run love, the dog circuit. We'd love to have him on in July if possible. Cool. You should reach out to him. If, if and you, we will if you put if you get taco on the show he'll come oh my god yeah oh, he just hold taco the whole time mm-hmm. right done it's basically dog tech there you go <laughs> nailed it done uh any, before you go anything you want to plug you're at gt on twitter um yeah i don't know do good stuff give back to the give back make something good and make it useful for people and just give it away for free beautiful i like that Thank you for taking the time to drive up and chat with us, man. This was fun. Thanks, Thanks. guys. Cool. Thanks. It was fun chatting with Jeff. We hope you enjoyed it. If you did, hit us up on Twitter. We're at DesignDetailsFM. Our DM inbox is open, so you can send us a message or just tweet at us, and we will reply. Well, Brian will. Or I will reply. So if you want to talk to me, that's how you do it. (laughs) (laughs) No one wants to do that. Otherwise, if you'd like to share... Some feedback and get uh get more people to see the show we'd really appreciate itunes ratings uh just five stars in your or like a, a review where you can actually give us feedback that'd be fantastic uh that's really what helps put us in front of other people by pushing us up the itunes charts before we go thank you once again to our amazing sponsors first one icon finder they've been with us since the very beginning. The beginning right yep They are the best place to find and download icons for your design projects. No matter what you're working on, no matter what software you use, whether it's Sketch, Photoshop, working straight on the web, uh, they have icons for you in all file formats, all different glyph styles. It's an amazing service. It's not expensive. They have a monthly subscription service called Icon Finder Pro. It's just a few bucks a month. It's going to give you access to thousands and thousands, hundreds of thousands of icons. And... If you use the promo code ROBOT at checkout, that tells them that we sent you and they are going to give you 50% off your first month. There's no reason not to try it out. So just go to iconfinder.com and sign up for Icon Finder Pro. Our second sponsor is once again Adobe. They just came out with their new version of CC and it's absolutely incredible. It really shows that they've been listening to everything that people have been saying about what, what we need from them. And they, they just deliver on everything and then some. So they gave us cliff panels. They gave us 
uh, artboards. They gave us the new design space so we can try that out. They've given us uh, improvements to link objects or uh, link smart objects and layer comps and just all these things that are like so obvious but so hard to get right and they just nailed them so it's really awesome to have them sponsoring us and they're really pushing to help the ui design community which is fantastic so we, we couldn't be more thankful that they're sponsoring us go to adobe.com and check out the new creative cloud 2015 and we will also link to the new features in photoshop that you need to check out on our show notes and we'll see you on wednesday with mike essel